This is episode seven of Fam Life with Phil Gomez on the Rising Man podcast. Get complete with your father. What's good, y'all? Phil Gomez back behind the mic again for another episode of Fam Life. Always good to be on here. I got another solo one for you guys today. Now, this episode is coming out after Father's Day, but it's being recorded right before Father's Day, and really, there's never a bad time to talk about fatherhood. Yeah, I'm a little biased. That is part of my mission and purpose, but nonetheless, this episode is not just for men who are fathers, but any man who has a father or who has a male role model in their lives. It's all about completing with our dads and taking the baton back so that we can be our own free men. Now, before I go into that, if you are a dad, and you are doing it all alone, I really encourage you to join Father to Father. It is a Telegram community under the Rising Man umbrella, and it is all about dads supporting other dads. It is about us bringing our difficulties, our challenges, our wins, everything we got into the space, and really crowdsourcing ways, uh, solutions, so that we can be better fathers, better men, better husbands, and better examples of what it is to be a truly happy man for our families. Now, if you are a man who is not yet a father, but is in the process of fathering himself, I invite you to join the newest offering from The Rising Man, The Brotherhood. If you are looking for accountability, if you are looking for connection, and you're looking to join a community and team of men who are committed to being uh, stewards of their own life and being the best men that they can possibly be, come check out The Rising Man Brotherhood. Learn more about The Brotherhood and Father to Father by going on to risingman.org. All right, so today's episode is all about completing with your father, and the culmination of it is a step-by-step conversation that you can have with your dad today in order to develop a stronger relationship with him as well as become your own free man and free yourself of his expectations. In this episode, we talk about how most of us are living with our father's expectations echoing in our head. Not only that, but how that expectation becomes the voice of our own inner self critic. Without further ado, here we go. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Fam Life with Phil Gomez. We back at it again. And today's episode is entitled completing with your father. So I'm going to start off with an excerpt from David Data's book, The Way the Superior Man. Now, if you have not read this book, make sure as soon as you finish listening to this episode, you go ahead and get it. It's on Audible. It's a great read. It's an essential read for every single man out there. And you can listen to it on your way to work. So there's really no excuse. So here we go. The chapter is entitled, Live as if your father were dead. A man must love his father and yet be free of his father's expectations and criticisms in order to be a free man. Imagine that your father has died or remember when he did die. Are there any feelings of relief associated with his death? Now that it is now that he is dead, is any part of you happy that you need not live up to his expectations or suffer his criticisms? How would you have lived your life differently if you had never tried to please your father? 
if you never tried to show your father that you were worthy, if you never felt burdened by your father's critical eye. Now, that one, there's a lot to that one. And I know for me, when I first was reading this book and I came across this one, the the idea of thinking of my father being dead was really hard to give myself permission to go there because my dad and I have a great relationship, love him very dearly. And even to this day, that was the first time I read this book was uh, probably over 10 years ago. So even to this day, that thought still scares the crap out of me. Um, but nonetheless, it is a a thought that I really invite all of you to go into. Um, most of us are living with our father's expectations echoing in our head. So, you know, maybe your dad, uh, I know for me, my dad, his expectations were that I work hard, right? That I wake up early, go to work, work hard all day, um, make those sacrifices, make those uh take the extra step, go the extra mile in order to support my family. That's the example that he was. That's what he expected from me. Um, no, no off days, no resting around the house, no lollygagging, no uh, taking it easy, like constantly being at work, pushing to be a better man, getting into a better place uh, in order to have a better lot in life. Now, maybe your father's expectations were you be a lawyer or a doctor. Maybe it was that you go to a good college. Maybe his expectations were that you get straight A's and that you get it right on the first try. Maybe his expectations were that you show up early and leave late. Whatever they may be, however realistic or unrealistic, however um, suiting or beneficial they were or harmful they were, all of us have had some sort of expectation from our father. Now, if you're a man listening to this and you did not have a relationship or you don't have a relationship with your father, just swap out father for one of the most impactful male figures in your life for growing up. Just make that swap. And it's just as applicable here. So, that voice, that um, that expectation that came from our dads, that voice ends up becoming our inner self-critic or the way that we father slash parent ourselves. So that voice of, for me, that voice of you got to work hard. If you're not working hard, you're not doing it right. That voice is now how I father myself especially uh, before I started doing all this men's work stuff. So anytime I caught myself on the couch, I would start to berate myself, beat myself up. Phil, what are you doing? Get up. You have to work. You're not being a man. You're not being a good man. You're not being a true man. You have to do more. You push that extra mile, stay up later, wake up earlier. If you're not doing that, what are you doing? You're losing. This inner critic is how we father ourselves. Now, Going back to what David Data said, in order to be a free man, we have to live outside or above or without our father's expectations, live as if our father were dead. So part of that is letting go of those expectations enables us to father or parent or take care of ourselves in the way that we see fit. So there's many different ways that we can do this and many different voices. And maybe there is a different way to do this based on the situation that you're in, in the current moment. How I have learned to father myself is really twofold. There is definitely still that essence of 
pushing or sacrifice is really the word that I um, identify with the most and not necessarily sacrifice that I have to be suffering, but sacrifice in the sense that I can give up my own comforts for the moment in order for the greater good to be possible. So for example, staying up a little bit later to record a podcast episode, even if I really feel like going to bed in this moment um, in order to create something that might help a man out there, that might be of service to someone out there. That will be helpful to the Rising Man movement because that is part of my mission and something I believe so deeply in. So in the short term, it might be uncomfortable or it might be a sacrifice, but in the long term, it is in full align with, alignment with my purpose, with my mission, with my passion. So that's one element. And that was definitely adopted, shaped, um, curated by my father's voice. However, I have done the work in order to pick that up because I see it being beneficial and necessary, not because it is the expectation of my father. The other way that I've learned to parent and father myself is bringing that element of father like nurturing or, or the nurturing of the father, which is different than of the mother. Um, but the nurturing in the sense of, in the sense of failure, that's, that's really where I, I've noticed it the most and I've adopted it the most. So in those times where I feel like I've fallen short, those times where I feel like I just didn't hit it the way that I wanted to, it just didn't land the way I wanted it to, it, it didn't pan out in the way that I envisioned. There's a sense of nurturing, not in the sense that, uh, oh, it's not a big deal. Get, it, it, everything will be fine. But the sense of like, it's okay. That did not land or that didn't end up the way that you wanted it to. Here are the things we can learn from it. And the game's not over. So get back in there. That's another voice of fathering. So how I define how we father ourselves is what is our self-talk that comes in when we are in the face of adversity. What is the self-talk that comes in when things are rough, when the seas are really, really wavy, rough, stormy, and how does that voice get us through there? Now, a lot of us that I know, again, go back to myself in the past, a lot of that had to do with berating. And I know a lot of men out there can resonate with that because I've talked to a lot of men. So a lot of us beat ourselves up. We talk down on ourselves. We call ourselves a little bitch. We call ourselves a pussy. We say, uh, oh, come on, just, just suck it up and get out there. You know, kind of the things that we expect from societal norms, which again, um, society is really another form of a father. You know, all the images, all the things that we see of father and fatherhood out in the world through TV, books, etc., are things that we adopt as far as what we should look like or what we should be like as a man. Now, our dads or our male role models, the most prominent male role models in our life, they are our first examples of what it looks like to be a man. So naturally, we just growing up, we look to them in order to see what does a man look like? What does a man do? What does a man value? What does a man lean on in difficult times? And naturally, we are going to adopt some of those things. And that's totally fine. That is actually what we should be doing in those developmental stages of our life. The problem is, as if you listen to the last episode, um, 
the problem is that when we don't have a rites of passage, you know, or this ceremonial um, initiation into manhood, we never take the, a moment to put those expectation downs and draft up our own expectations, our own standards of what it is to be a good man. So we are constantly looking to those expectations, trying to live up to those expectations and being resentful of those expectations that come from an outside source, be it our father, male role model or media. And that resentment is uh, becomes our main focus, right? Ah, oh, my fucking dad, he always wants so much from me. Oh, he always cares about this thing. I wish he just, I wish he would just leave me alone. I wish he would just go away. I wish he would just get off it already, right? So we become so pent up on that resentment that we forget or we don't give ourselves the permission to take the time to be like, what does it mean for Phil to be a good man? What does it mean for Phil to handle this situation? If it was up to me and my standards, what would my choice in this situation be? Now, the father-son relationship is a really, really difficult, convoluted one. Um, you know, traditionally, men are pretty bad at relationship. Obviously, that is a broad stroke. And that is not to say that that us men can't become good at relationship. But with the societal narrative that has been placed upon us men, and naturally, we, we kind of take that on until uh, we do men's work or until we come into some sort of rites of passage or until we just come into this uh, spiritual, emotional awakening in life. Um, up until that point, you know, we're really living under this narrative of the outside world because we are constantly looking outside of us in order to learn um, how, what's socially acceptable for me as a man. So in what is socially acceptable, typically we are not very in touch with our emotions. We're not very good with communication. Um, we, we hold things in, which lead to passive aggressiveness, uh, resentment, and really just avoidance of conflict. Obviously, there's always the portrayal of the, of the hyper-masculine male or the alpha male who's constantly, uh, you know, looking for conflict or establishing boundaries in a really aggressive way. And, you know, if that's you, then you probably won't relate to this as much. And that's totally fine, too. The father-son relationship gets very convoluted because you have two men who have difficulty with tapping into or actually um, recognizing and owning their emotions, have difficulty with communication and have difficulty with healthy conflict. So when you put all those three things together, it doesn't really lead uh, or lend to having a uh, healing conversation that a son can say to a dad, dad, I got it from here. I don't need your expectations anymore. And in that, we live life until our fathers are dead. And then once they are dead, we are resentful that we never had the conversation with them. And we feel like we're maybe truly free. We're finally free of their expectations because dad's no longer around to um, poo-poo our decisions or be like, I don't think you did that right. Or Ugh, you really should be doing it this way. So well, how I think about it is in order to be completely free, like David, David Data said, we have to live as if our fathers are dead or we really have to take the baton from them in the sense that 
dad, I am a man now and I am my own man. Now, this doesn't mean just throwing your dad out. Now, this is a conversation that I've had with my dad and I'll go through the mechanics of that in a little bit. Um, But taking the baton from your dad doesn't mean he's no longer your life. My father is still probably one of the most pivotal men in my life, a man that I go to uh, very frequently for advice, for counsel, uh, comforting, um, and just to talk to. We have great conversations and I love it. They're very simple, (laughs) but they're very beautiful as well. So what I see as being a free man is especially in relationship to our fathers is taking that baton in the sense of dad, I am my own man. And now that I am my own man, I want you in my corner as the, as the um, taking a seat on the council. You know, if I am taking the baton and saying, Hey, now, now I am king of my own domain. I am king of my territory, but I want you to be on the circle of advisors right? I still want you there in my corner. I still want to seek your counsel, your advice, hear what you have to say about certain situations. But at the end of the day, I am going to make the decision that is best for me and my kingdom. Hopefully that's landing for you guys out there. Now that distinction between what is my kingdom and what is no longer yours is the, is the really the meat of living as if your father were dead. At least that's how I see it. So now that I am king of my kingdom, not not of his, right? Now that I control what happens in my life and in my domain, and I am clear of that, and I am willing to stand for that and hold the boundary of that, I can easily and comfortably ask you what you think about something without succumbing to the pressures of your expectations or the way you think things should be. It's purely another man seeing another man's opinion, seeing his viewpoint of the world. It's like your dad is now part of your men's team. And that's a beautiful thing. I can tell you from experience, um, I had a, I had a very difficult time and it really wasn't until I did my rites of passage, um, when I was, uh, I think about 26 or 27 years old. And when I came back from that, while I was out there fasting for those four days and four nights, I, my intention was to fully step into manhood. You know, I, I was doing man like things, but, but I wasn't really yet a man or I really hadn't ceremonially stepped into that and owned that. So once I did that, I was able to come home and um, really have a good conversation with my dad up to that point. I was still living under my dad's rule, my dad's expectations. Now, I'm, I mean, he wasn't, I was paying for my own things. I was living in my own house. I was doing my own things. But every time I had a conversation with my dad, there was still this like, this fear of upsetting him. There's still this fear of keeping it fully real, keeping it 100 with him on a phone call. Because if I said the thing that he would disagree with, to hear his disagreement would make me immediately go back into my uh, shameful or ashamed little boy. And that is because I had never taken the baton from him. 
So when I got back, we had such a healing conversation. Uh, we were, I was able to tell him a bit about what I did, which I was very unclear about up to that point. I didn't really tell him about the rites of passage again, because I didn't want to hear him talk about me being crazy for going into the woods and not eating. I didn't want to hear his fear around it. I didn't want to hear him talk about how it wasn't worthwhile. And obviously all of that is a projection because I don't know if he would have actually said that or not. Uh, but that's what I assumed he would say. So in this conversation, we were able to get to a point where I, I was able to make that, that line in the sand. And I think for him, it was, it was just as healing as it was for me in the sense that now that I'm a dad and I can understand a little bit more of, of what it's like to be a father and probably what it was like for my dad to see me grow up. Um, my kids are young, you know, three and one and a half, but my son being three, I, I can imagine that point in his life where, where he's becoming his own man. And it's going, I, I can already tell it's going to be difficult for me to trust that he can make his own decisions. Not because I don't think he's a good man or I don't think he's capable, but I've just been making decisions for him. And it's been my job for this long to keep him safe, to make the proper decisions for him so that he can thrive and move forward and really grow into a good human being. And it really, the idea of coming to that point in life where I have to then um, be discharged right? It's, it's no longer my job. It's difficult. You know, it's difficult to just give that up. And there's a beauty to, instead of giving the baton, passing the baton on to a son, the son actually reaching up and saying, dad, I'm ready. I'm going to grab it. Doesn't matter if you think I'm ready. Doesn't matter if you want to give it to me or not. I'm claiming it. I'm claiming my manhood. I'm claiming stepping into my king. I'm claiming owning my domain and territory. So going into that actual conversation, I call this conversation uh, completing with your father, the completing with your father exercise. And it's something that I really encourage each and every man that is listening to this to do. Now, whether you think you've kind of had this conversation with your father or you're a 45-year-old man, your dad's old, and you've been doing a bunch of stuff. Either way, I still really, really advise you to have this conversation because it's, I think it's one of the most healing conversations that men can have. The healing conversation between father and son. Like I said before, it's such a convoluted, difficult uh, relationship and dynamic. And it's such a powerful one. You know, you just think of, you think of like all the stories we hear in movies we see, it's like the son doesn't become a man until the father is dead. Right. And then he has to step up. Right. You, you rarely, rarely see these uh, movies or stories where father and son have this strong, powerful relationship later on in life. And I think there's a, there's a beauty in relationship between kings. There's a beauty in relationship between two powerful men who each are a, the masters of their own domain, yet still meet at the round table in order to um, serve, support, and help each other out. So that's where this conversation completing with your father comes in. So it's really a three-part conversation. And again, the, the purpose of it is to be able to take the baton back from your, from your dad, to stake your claim, put that line in the sand saying you are your own man now, and to really give birth to this new relationship between you and your dad. So again, it's three-parter. 
Now, the first part is, Dad, thank you. And then from there, you go into all the things that you are grateful for that your father did. Now, this it's an essential to start with, Dad, thank you, even if you hate your dad. If you hate your dad's guts, you, you don't think your dad did anything uh, good at all, you can still be thankful for him for playing a part and in giving you life, right? He still, he still went, went half on a baby that is you. And the reason that you're here is because of him at least halfway. So you start up with dad. Thank, thank you all. And give that gratitude to all the things that he did. Dad, thanks for, um, thanks for working late when you were, when I was young, thanks for working so hard and enabling me to, uh, just have the life we did have, clothes on my back, food on the table, toys that I wanted, being able to go to the school that I wanted. Uh, Dad, thank you for uh, that time in third grade when you took me to that baseball game. That was incredible. I'll never forget that. Dad, thank you for um, the time that you caught me, caught me in a lie and you held me accountable and yelled at me and punished me, really taught me about lying, whatever it may be. It doesn't necessarily have to be all rainbows and sunshines, but still just that, that sense of gratitude for whatever it is that your dad did. Now, this is an essential part because sometimes, uh, especially in men's work and therapy and all these healings, you know, where we talk so much about our father wound that um, we really get into the story of, of this hatred might be a little bit strong, but in this story of our disdain, our, our distaste, our, uh, this sense of, of, we're just upset with our fathers. Right. And it, it really can take away from the gratitude of what they did. Right. It says also, um, in the sense that it's a warm opening, right? Who doesn't love to hear gratitude, especially when it's coming from a sincere, uh, meaningful place. So step one, dad, thank you. Step two, dad, I wish. This is an opportunity to start to talk about all the things that you wish were different. You wish your dad did differently. This is tapping into the father wound, tapping into, you know, really some of the, um, some of like the disgust, some of the, just like the things that just piss you off that your dad did that, you know, you might be carrying some of those expectations that I was talking about before that just like, just fucking furiate you that they're still there, that that voice still comes up and you know, it came from him. So dad, I wish you were around more dad. I wish you didn't work so much. And then we were able to spend a little bit more time together. Dad, I wish you would have um, put the work phone down a bit more so we could have uh, just played catch outside. Dad, I wish you would have let me make the mistake of uh, whatever it is. Dad, I wish you, I wish you would have let me make the mistake of going to that stupid party instead of uh, grounding me before it even happened, right? Whatever it may be. I'm just, I'm just coming up with stuff here, but this is really the opportunity to talk about the things that you wish were different. Now it's essential to start off dad. I wish these things were different as opposed to dad. This is where you messed up, right? This is, uh, this is our opportunity to take ownership because it's just our half of the story. It's just how we see it. So in saying dad, I wish this was different. It's, it's less of an attack on, um, 
or less of a charge of like, this is the way it made me feel. This is uh, the way you should have done it. Da, 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 going on like that. It's more of these are the things that I, that I wish we just had more of more connection, more emotional availability from you, more, uh, more fight out of you. I wish you stood up for me that time when uh, my teacher was yelling at me and, and, and I didn't even do it. I wish you stood up for me more, whatever it may be. It's that, that wishfulness is uh, it, it's a clear statement in the sense that I didn't like it. Right. But it's neutral enough that it's not making him wrong, which enables him to hear you out, enables him to actually listen. Um, as you know, as a man, you've probably have been attacked in some way, shape or form before and attacking really does two different things. It, it, it puts us on the defense, right? In the sense of that we start to get defensive. Now, many of us have uh, different triggers or, well, triggers in the sense of things that cause us to be defensive, um, as well as ways that we express our defensiveness. So for me, I know I immediately go into my, um, my I've been a bad boy, right? And I want to be a good little boy. So I go into my bad boy and I kind of just shut down. Like, it's like, I can't hear anything. I'm kind of blank in the face and uh and really nothing lands for that for me in that space i'm just not open to receiving because i'm so pent up on i did it wrong i'm bad i'm a bad person maybe you can relate to that so in coming from i wish things were different you're really allowing a space of not only creation but a space of listening a space of listening, a space that allows things to land for this man and doesn't put him on his heels in the defensive. So that's second step, dad, I wish. Third, dad, I have compassion for. This is another essential part. All three are essential, but the having compassion for. This, for me, is the part that enables you to uh, see your dad as another man which is essential in order to develop this new relationship where he is on the, uh, the, the circle of counsel for you as, uh, as the man that's taking the baton and becoming the king or master of his own domain. So dad, I have compassion for, I have compassion for you having me at a young age. You were just 25 when you had me, you're still, you're still a boy. I'm 27 now, and I can't even imagine having a two-year-old son. Dad, I have compassion for you didn't have access to all of these men's coaches and men's groups and uh, online connection with other people. Dad, I have a compassion for you're probably pretty isolated and probably pretty lonely uh, with just you and mom and me and this like big shift in life. Uh, Dad, I have compassion for the pressure you're probably under to support for support us as a family whatever it may be, that compassion is, um, it's not excusing any action. That's the, I really, really want to say that compassion does not excuse anyone of what they've done. Compassion is just our way of saying, I see you. I see that you are a man. You're, you're just another man. And although growing up as a kid, I saw you as a hero. I saw you as Superman, saw you as Spider-Man. I saw you as the guy that had no flaw. Um, now that I see your flaws, 
I can really understand how, how they came to be. I can really understand how those things might have just really been tough to get through and how it could have just been tough to, it's just impossible to be perfect all the time. So that compassion piece is, uh, I, I think it's just really the essential part to, it's the glue to the healing. It's the glue to um, now we are two men who can mutually respect one another and who can communicate with each other in a, in a meaningful, purposeful, and powerful way that enable not just you and not just me, but both of us to live better lives and be better men. The compassion, the, the compassion piece is the glue that enables that. So the completing with your father exercise, again, the purpose of it is in order to take the baton back, to put the line in the sand and say, I am now my own man. And to see the relationship, the new relationship between you and your father, where you're two kings, two men who are masters of their own domain and are able to support one another. It is not a clearing exercise. It is not where you air out all your dirty laundry and put out all your resentment and hate and shame and disgust and all the things you've been holding for however many years you've been alive against your father. It's not that. It's not about that. Now, that's another conversation. If it's necessary, then you can have it. But that's not what the completing exercise is about. So in order to create this new relationship, there are three things to talk to your dad about, to say to your dad, dad, thank you for all the things that you have done in order for me to be here right now. Dad, I wish all these things were different or all these things looked a, a different way. And all these things that I missed out on because of what I saw growing up. And lastly, dad, I have compassion for all the things that you can really see, uh, his humanness, the difficulty that he went through, the, the struggle that was present in his life as you were growing up. And I promise you, if you're not in tears by the end of that conversation, you will definitely be in an embrace. <laughs> you will definitely feel um, you'll feel a certain power, a certain spirit that's in the room. And it, it's undescribable. It's obviously going to be different for every man um, and every dad out there, but it is a worthwhile conversation. And uh, I know this is coming out after Father's Day, but it's never too late to give a Father's Day gift. And this is one of the most powerful gifts you can give to your father. Um, if you haven't done it yet, I, I really, really, uh, I challenge you to do it. Don't wait till your dad's dead to start living as a free man, right? Take the baton while you still can, while you still here, give those roses while you still can speak your truth while you still can to your dad. And, uh, it, it really takes away from the chance of you being regretful that it never got to happen. All right, men. Well, that's what, I, that's it for today. That's the completing with your father exercise. Again, if you haven't read Data, David Data's book, Way of, Superior, Way of the Superior Man, go ahead and read it. If you haven't had the completion conversation with your dad yet, go ahead and schedule time to go have some coffee, go on a walk, tinker on the car and have the conversation while you're doing that. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, much love. All right.
right, so there you have it, men. If you want to be a truly free man, you must free yourself of your father's expectations, complete with him, and take the baton back so you can be your own man. I hope there's something in that episode that really landed for you, something that you're taking home with you. I hope this is a conversation that you do have with your father. It is probably the best Father's Day gift you can give to him and is the best life gift you can give to yourself because what man does not want to be free? I said it a couple times in the episode. It's one of the most powerful conversations that I've ever had. And it completely changed the dynamic between my dad and myself. I've walked several other men through having this conversation with their fathers. And it's powerful every time. Might be difficult. Probably will be uncomfortable. But 120% fucking worth it. Thanks again for listening. Again, to check all things out, Rising Man, go to risingman.org. If you love listening to the podcast, leave a review. Much love to all of you out there. And until next time, stay up. Stay up.